You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a physician and editor-in-chief of Maine, Maine Home Design, Old Port, Ageless, and Moxie Magazines. Love, Maine Radio show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com, grownupgirl.com, where you can get personalized guidance and encouragement for growing a simple yet vibrant life through free advice, workshops, and mentoring programs with local experts. You deserve to shine. Go to grownupgirl.com now to learn about our available programs and classes designed just for you in the Portland area. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port, 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the works of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormaine.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where everybody is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Matt Chapel owns and operates Gather Restaurant, a neighborhood eatery in the heart of Yarmouth's village. As a proud native Mainer, Chapel has intentionally pursued ways to make Maine the focus of his restaurant. Thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. And thank you also for all the food that you have served me and my family <laughs> over... How long have you been in business now? Uh, we're in our sixth year. That's so kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. And I do see your face regularly. It's nice to see every, every week. <laughs> That's right. I think that during this winter's snowstorms, we've even been maybe sometimes only ones there. Right, Or right. not that many other yes. people around us. Yes. Which kind of goes to the point that you guys have really made this a gathering place. Yeah. In all sorts of weather. Yes. Well, that's that was sort of the idea. I, um, five, six years ago, I um, had been in Yarmouth for probably 15 years at that point and had been to a number of uh, establishments, uh, all good ones, uh, but I, I felt like uh, Yarmouth was ready for uh, something a little bit different, a little more um, neighborhoody uh, food that was... Uh, Maine-based food. We didn't have that in town at the time. Uh, Portland certainly had their share of it, but uh, Yarmouth did not at the time. And the space was just calling for being a a gathering place, uh, a gathering spot. It had a history of, uh, this old Masonic Hall had a history of uh, being a community space and I've heard all the stories uh, every every month someone comes in and says I remember when and it's uh, all the way from um, dance recitals uh, to uh, the candy shop that used to be there the voting that happened uh, back in uh, probably I think the 50s or 60s it was a, a place to vote so uh, I haven't heard much history of the Masons. That, that, that's uh, perhaps a little more secretive. But all the other things that have happened, it's a, it's a really cherished community space. So now it's a restaurant and it gets activity all day long. You also have a son who works there with you. Yes. Yeah. Who is senior in high school now? Yeah, his name's Silas and uh, he's been there probably about two of the five years as a, a busser, and now he serves once in a while, but also still buses, helps out in the kitchen. 
he seems to be drawn to the the kitchen more and more these days but I think he likes the environment the energy uh, a lot of a lot of young kids do it's uh, I think oftentimes their first job and they're surprised that work can be fun so do you think that that's something that we um, we put out there in in this world that work is work work is something that shouldn't be enjoyable that this is you're allowed to like go to school up to a certain point but then you need to get a job and you need to work and it's supposed to be difficult for the rest of your life uh i'm i'm not sure about that but i i do know that uh creating uh, a work environment that um people enjoy being at it was not a mistake uh and i i have heard people comment about other places they've been that uh have not been enjoyable and uh, either they arrive at gather or uh, they've been there long enough to realize that uh, what we're trying to create is uh, uh, an upbeat and positive environment uh, especially in the kitchen you know I've I've worked in a number of kitchens over my lifetime that uh, often are run by grumpy chefs uh, that like to bark at everybody and uh, I avoided those people as best I could and uh, didn't enjoy working for them myself so I, I assume other people didn't either so I, I think um, what we're doing and I'll, I'll paraphrase what my chef has used as a term we're creating a work family that's how he refers to it he, he used that term the other day and I I thought it was a really interesting term I hadn't thought about it that way but that's what we have you know extended work family <laughs> Which is, it's good, and it's also important, especially in your space, because we it's an open kitchen. Yes. So if the people are sitting down below in the restaurant and they're looking up above, they're going to see whether it's happy or sad or angry people who That's are preparing right. the food that they're going to be yes. eating. That and uh, if your server is going to get barked at in the kitchen, they're going to carry that all the way to your table, and that's going to influence the experience that you have as a customer. So there are all kinds of reasons to create a more positive work environment. I haven't noticed a lot of turnover at your restaurant. There are many of the same people who are working there and seem happy to be working there um, for, I don't know, almost since the beginning? I do have some originals. Uh, I have... Uh, four that still work for me out of uh, you know I think I have 20 22 employees at any given time so yes there are some people that have been there since the beginning and some have left and come back so that's encouraging some have met and uh, uh, or met their uh, spouses and gotten married and had babies and so that's kind of exciting uh, and uh, although I don't, <clears throat> I make it a rule not to employ uh, husbands and wives or spouses and girlfriends or boyfriends. It's not a, not a good, <laughs> good choice. The relationship falls apart. I still need both of them. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think that's probably, uh, that's probably fair. 
I would also think that, especially as people's families mature, it could be that it would be hard to have people working on an evening shift if you yes. end up with small children, for yes. example. Yeah, well, it, you know, the restaurant business is, uh, except for the kitchen, the, it's often a part-time gig. You know, a lot of the people I employ on the floor, servers are, um, they have other pursuits in life, and that's what makes it interesting. I've got woodworkers, I've got uh, people that make um, leather bags as for a living. Uh, I've got photographers. Uh, let's see. Um, there is always an interesting story that's coming through the door uh, from an employee, but that's just how you have to make it work. It's a, it's a supplemental income. It's it's not a career. There they have other pursuits. Do you think that more people? are getting into the food service industry and staying in it longer? Actually, in the kitchen, we're finding the opposite, that there are fewer people getting into the culinary arts, and it's harder and harder to find uh, the staff that you need. And a lot of that is driven by the fact that there are so many restaurants and hotels competing for a small pool of uh, staff that uh, it's just harder and harder so back to the my point about creating a positive environment that that is <clears throat> one way that we retain people it's not just through uh, you know salary and benefits and pay and all that it's do I want to work here do I want to get up and come to work every day is this something I'm looking forward to or am I dreading it and we've all been there right <laughs> yes, I think anybody who's been any time in the in the workforce probably has been right there. Right, right. You've also made a conscious um, effort to create a space that is welcoming for families with small children. Yes, right. Which um, was uh, really just like the restaurant driven out of my own personal interest and need. I uh, I have two boys and. Uh, remember going out to restaurants with them and wanted to and uh, the places that were welcoming I wanted to go back to and the ones that sort of gave you the sneer you you typically didn't go back to and it's it's challenging you don't you don't want to create too much of a romper room scene for the other people that don't have kids so we've created a, a little corner that uh, has a table with books and coloring and quiet toys nothing loud that makes noises and uh, young parents uh, like to come and sit at the tables nearby and they can have a conversation amongst themselves while uh, the little ones play Uh, sometimes it can be too much and you never know what that's going to look like you you don't often know who's walking through the door but typically it's uh, it's uh, manageable, very manageable, and and I get probably I, I probably get more comments about that that we've created a, a space for them to feel welcome, not just tolerated, but welcome and comfortable, as as much as the food and the service. When I am there, I often notice the uh, parent, grandparent, child. Right 
dynamic. And I think that's nice that you are bringing in small extended families and they right. can all kind of find their, their spot right. and enjoy an experience at a restaurant. Right. And you'll notice that there are no TVs on the wall either. Uh, and obviously people are going to bring in their own devices and use them if they want. But <clears throat> I find if you put TVs on the wall, it's just an instant draw to your eyes. And all of a sudden you're not paying attention to the people you've come out to eat with. <laughs> well, I'm actually a fan of that. I know that people who maybe are following sports very closely some, would have some a want the game on the wall. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's true, and it's not just paying attention to the people that you're with, but also the food that you're eating. Yep. Right. Which we're not always as good at, perhaps, right. as we might be. Right. It tends to become, for some people, just a means to an end. Right. I'm hungry, put food in. Right. I'm not hungry anymore. Right. But you're you're very careful from what I can see to provide some food that's appealing, it's comforting, but it's also creative. It's mm -hmm. it's local. It's um it, it there are a lot of different things people get out of your menu, I think. Yeah, it's um it, it is a mix to appeal to a, a broad Audience, I mean, you, you made the point earlier, it could be the five-year-old grandmother and mom at the table, and they all have different palates and interests and what's on the menu for them. And we do our best to have enough, but not too much. You know, I, I don't want a big five-page menu. I don't think customers do either. You get overwhelmed with choice, but you have to have enough there to satisfy people. And um, we've been... I think successful at balancing the things that you mentioned, uh, comforting food, but also um, creative and tasty. And one thing I'm seeing <clears throat> lately a lot more of is uh, an interest in non-meat dishes. And I, I say non-meat instead of vegetarian or vegan because it's typically people that aren't either one of those they're not vegetarians or vegans they're just people who said I don't want to have meat three meals a day or even seven days a week I, I want to take a break from that uh, on any given day so <clears throat> we've been working on coming up with dishes that are non-meat dishes that are creative and different and fun you know I, I would say and it would admit when we first opened uh, we just did the typical pasta uh, we're going to satisfy the vegetarians with that dish and that'll be fine and we'll move on to all these other fun dishes but now we're really thinking through what are what are some non-meat uh, you know whether it's the lentil falafel that we do or the uh, tofu golden bowl uh, is flavored with nutritional yeast or brewer's yeast uh, so I'm fortunate to have uh, a great chef Colin Kelly who's uh, who's a meat eater himself but has come around and realized that you can do some really fun interesting things uh, with a vegetarian dish and we're working on more of that right now because the demand is just it's growing 
I appreciate that. As a somebody who eats fish, a pescatarian, there are often more options available for me, but right. um, still not as many as if I eat lamb and duck and beef right. and all the other options that uh, people who do eat meat have. So when I go to your restaurant and you have like a warm kale salad right. um, with falafel, which is something that I will sometimes get, or you'll yeah. have uh, really nicely done Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. The, it's it's good because it doesn't feel as if it's kind of the poor cousin to right. the meat dishes. <clears throat> I mean, I, I just as much as somebody who likes a hamburger, I like to have things that are flavorful and mm-hmm. filling right. and nutritious. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think it's nice that we have gotten to this place in our food culture where, where this is happening. Right. Yeah, it's not just about omission. You're not just removing the meat and saying, well, that's a dish now that's vegetarian. <laughs> you're, you're going into it saying, all right, what are things we can use to make a really flavorful vegetarian dish? So it's it's fun. It's n- it's new, exciting challenge that, uh, of course, we've been at it for a little while now, but y- you have to keep it fresh. Tell me about trying to stay with local purveyors of foods during the winter. Right. How does that How does that work? Well, you'd be surprised, actually. Uh, so our our commitment is to do uh, is to spend at least two thirds of our dollars on food based uh, in the area, uh, not just when we can or when the season uh, lends itself to it, but two-thirds we really right from the very beginning stake in the ground all right this is what we're going to go after and we're going to measure it every month and um, maintain it and so obviously some of the biggest things are uh, your protein so you know pork beef fish uh, all those things are available year-round and we work with uh, local farms and harbor fish to uh, source those things so that's that's a big part of of that nut if you will and available year-round but on the produce side you'd be surprised at how effective farmers are at storing vegetables Uh, I'm still getting really good carrots from uh, or I just we just got our last delivery from Mary Meaning Farm in Bodenham and uh, David is uh, very, uh, very good at uh, storing uh, those kinds of vegetables uh, so that they are, are perfectly good in, in November and then the same in February. Uh, so there are, there are those examples. Uh, there are also a lot of people that are growing things, uh, as you've probably heard, in hoop houses or... Uh, you know there are greens that are very available. Um, trying to think, uh, lots of root vegetables coming down. We we have a a farmer from the county who makes deliveries weekly. Uh, so you know potatoes and turnips come from down there. So you know of course you're you're more limited in the winter in what you can do, but there's a lot more than you you would think in the winter time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I've been eating a lot of um, really delicious beets yes. lately yep. in um, restaurants like yours and yours that are interested in doing local foods. Yeah, yeah. And 
People love beets. Yeah, which yeah. is funny because... They store well. Yep. And it's they're very nutritious. And it's right. funny because probably seven years ago, beets weren't as popular. And Brussels sprouts weren't right. as popular. Right. So we're seeing foods that our grandmothers used to grow. Right. Maybe our mothers. I don't think yeah, my parsnips, mother. Parsnips. Things uh, that... Yeah. Parsnips. Um, celery root. There's there's quite a bit, uh, and sometimes those are intimidating uh, vegetables when you're in the supermarket. Well, what am I going to do with that? I, uh, so, in the commercial kitchen, we just uh, are able to uh, do more with it uh, with the devices that we have, the equipment, whether that's um, you know high high powered blenders or. Um, there's just more that you can do with it and of course more time put into it than I'm going to the grocery store to make dinner. <laughs> How about your community table? It seems like that was a very intentional choice because it's it's a long table. And yes. There are a lot of people I've seen thing I've seen it in different sort of kind of delineations where you right. sometimes there will be a big group of people that are meeting sometimes it'll be a little party sometimes it'll be a one group at one end one group at the other. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to do that? Well, similar to the intentional choice to not have TV, I was looking to encourage face-to-face -face interaction and sometimes that was uh, between uh, people that hadn't met before they even arrived at the restaurant now <clears throat> we don't sit people shoulder to shoulder and force you to uh, you know have a conversation with, <laughs> with your the people next to you so we, we give you plenty of room but if you decide to have a conversation it's available to you and it's also a very versatile uh, table because I can have a big group of 20 or I can have you know three groups of four uh, but I'm not moving tables around I'm just moving chairs around so it's also a, a nice feature as you walk into the restaurant and it says something about who we are and and uh, I can't move it though it's so big that <laughs> I can't really move it, which may, makes it challenging sometimes. This is, um, you've been doing this particular thing in your life, you said six years. Yes, the, the restaurant. But you've been in this industry since you were 14. Well, I was, I was, uh, I started in, in as a dishwasher in, in Kennebunk uh, at age 14 and uh, stayed with the restaurant uh, gig for uh, let's see probably 15 years so uh, until in my late 20s I think 29 and uh, at that time I I was interested in starting a family and I didn't think it was the best uh, job to be trying to do that because you're you're working nights you're working and I was in the kitchen I that was where <clears throat> I wasn't in the front of the house I was in the kitchen so I, I chose to get out at that point. Um, but my interest and passion for food and, and, and all that never left. So uh, coming back to it felt very natural. And I, I was at a different place in my family makeup where I felt like doing it was uh, uh, 
you know, something I could pull off. And it's proved to work pretty well. What are some of the things that you've noticed in your evolution from dishwasher to kitchen to front of the house and owner? Well, um, you know, obviously in those early years I was an employee working for somebody else uh, in only one side of the business. I think back then I really enjoyed working for people that were teachers, chefs that wanted to pass on their knowledge, and uh, I I really liked that. I learned a lot, things that I still use today. Uh, I I still work in the kitchen at at Gather, um, prepping during the day, uh, and it keeps me close to the food and the people that are in the kitchen, and I just, I like being around food. So, um, but as an owner, you you really had to see more than just what was happening in the kitchen, and that that was challenging. I think that that part of the evolution, you know, understanding what was happening on the floor and the flow of customers and the impact on the kitchen, uh, all of those things were relatively new and um, important to understand. But I, I had enough experience on the customer side of things just understanding customer needs that it wasn't too far for me to to understand you know what people needed walking in the door so is this something that you hope that your own children will continue is this something that you see as a family business no no I don't um I mean, if if they choose to uh, ever get into the food business, I I would encourage them to pursue whatever they uh, whatever they enjoyed, uh, things that get them excited. And if that happens to be restaurants and food, then sure. I, but I, I I did not start this to create a family business to pass on or anything like that. Uh, and that wasn't how I was brought up either. So I, uh, um, that wasn't unfamiliar. You know, go out and try, do, try different things. Find out what excites you and, uh, and then go from there. Talk to me about the importance of music in your restaurant. Well, let's see. So... You know, Maine being the focus of of the restaurant, whether it's the food or the vendors, the art that's on the wall, it seemed logical to plug myself into the music community. I'm not a musician, but I like music, and I plug myself into the the very local music scene in in the Yarmouth or or area around Yarmouth. Uh, seemed like a natural fit and I I just think atmosphere wise live music as long as it's done right as as long as you know it's an it's an atmosphere thing where you can still have a conversation with the people you came to eat with it it really just elevates the whole experience for me and I'll, I'll tell you even for the staff they love to work on nights when we have live music because it's just a different feel it's a different energy there's like a a flow to how they're moving around the floor and how they're feeling and 
uh, hard hard to describe, I guess. But music is hard to describe. <laughs> I've noticed sometimes that when we're there, and I think it's usually Wednesday nights that you have music. Yes, although, so we always have, um, we have a bluegrass brunch on Sunday. So we always have bluegrass, live bluegrass music uh, on Sundays. And then uh, once a month on Wednesday nights, uh, we feature an acoustic act. Sometimes that's one person, sometimes it's two or three playing together. Uh, and that's from six to eight. And, and I've noticed that when you do have the musicians in, it's very, the small children seem very engaged. Oh yeah. They seem to like to go up and watch them be right there. And right. and sometimes they're dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm kind of looking around the restaurant and some of the people are humming along, some of the people are singing along. Right. So it's, it's kind of interesting that you've elevated the sensory experience right. of eating. And it's not just background music. It's not just like something that people aren't hearing. It's right. absolutely- Yeah, it's somewhere of, in between. It's not yeah. in your face, but it's not. It's not elevator background music, yeah. Which is nice because it's, it sometimes it feels as if all the all of our interactions are screen based. So mm-hmm. it's something that's sort of out there somewhere, represented on something in front of us. Versus if you're there and there are musicians, they're right. people who right. are who are doing things while you're paying attention. Right, right, yeah. It it's a nice add-on a, a nice feature whether it's Sunday morning uh, or um, or Wednesday evenings I, I particularly like the the feel of the Sunday bluegrass it's just a really upbeat sound and it's the same a, a variation of the same group that plays every week uh, and sounds great how have you noticed the Yarmouth food scene changing since you've been there well, uh, we've I think we've seen uh, more options come into town. Uh, a lot more on the sort of pub bar uh, realm, uh, which I think people have wanted. You know, a place to go in the evening uh, instead of traveling to Portland. Uh, so I I think um, what's nice is. We're starting to, in a small way, get uh, a little bit of a reputation as a place that's got multiple choices and uh, not just one or two, uh, but enough critical mass where uh, people could say, you know, let's say they live in Pownall or Brunswick, hey, let's go to Yarmouth, uh, as opposed to a specific place. Uh, There are just enough choices where... Uh, they can pick something on the way or try something new the next time. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it's been really nice to see uh, the mix that's occurring. And I think it will continue. I think there's uh, a, a lot of interest and people are willing to go out. I've also seen um, over the last few years that there's more activity in the winter than ever before, whereas a lot of times we would shut down and there weren't a lot of people going out. It seems like it's more consistent that people, yes. and they're going out on Wednesdays, right. that more and more people are using restaurants as, as almost a living space versus a special occasion space. Right, yes. Uh, and 
perhaps they don't want to cook perhaps they want to meet up with a friend uh, whatever it is their their reasons vary but uh, you're right week to week a, a Tuesday a Saturday uh, there's people that want to go out well I appreciate your yeah. cooking for for me for my family <laughs> right. on the nights that I don't want to cook and even the nights that I wouldn't mind cooking but I just want to go to a sure. nice place with my friends and yep. family I've been speaking with Matt Chapel, who owns and operates Gather Restaurant, a neighborhood eatery in the heart of Yarmouth's village. Thanks so much for coming in today, and um, I will see you back at Gather very soon. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Dr. Zach Mazzoni, DO, created Dayspring Integrative Wellness in Bath, Maine, with the belief that true health comes from building healthy relationships with your community, with your doctor, and with yourself. As a board-certified family and integrative medicine physician, Dr. Mazzoni and the whole staff at Dayspring are committed to supporting your wellness journey by providing integrative family medical care, osteopathic manipulation, herbal and lifestyle consultations, counseling, and wave therapy. Dayspring offers an innovative membership-based model of healthcare that gives you time together with Dr. Mazzoni to build a personalized wellness plan based on your health goals. Daily access for acute appointments is available, and you can even schedule a secure video conference call in the privacy of your own home. I know Dr. Zach and his family, and I believe strongly in the personalized whole-person approach to health that he provides. This is why I am encouraging you to find out more for yourself by visiting dayspringintegrativewellness.com or by calling them directly at 207-751-4775. Dayspring. Wellness. The way it should be. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, Art Collector Maine, GrownUpGirl.com, and by Dayspring Integrated Wellness. Our editorial producer is Kate Gardner. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasick. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Andrew King and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.